the Sport Industry Access Podcast, Episode 38. How can psychology have a positive impact in physical activity? Welcome to another episode of the Sport Industry Access Podcast. I am your host, Ed Bowers. As always, my goal each week is to interview a special guest who is a sports professional in a specific field in the sports industry, especially if they have an interest in pursuing a career as a sport academic. I hope today's episode can be useful to you with regards to your interests and needs. Now, getting back to today's show... This week's special guest is Professor Stuart Biddle. Stuart is a professor at Victoria University in Australia, where his areas of expertise in the academic world of research, he specialises in sensory behaviour, behaviour change and psychological well-being. Also, Stuart is associated with sport organisations such as the UK PE Association, European Federation for Psychology of Sport and Physical Activity, and many more. I can happily say that it's great to have Stuart as a special guest on the show. That's why in today's episode, Stuart will share his career journey and explain why psychology is so important in physical activity. Stuart, it's great to have you on the show. Please can you share your sports career journey to listeners? When did it all start? Yeah, thanks, Ed, for having me on the show. That's a great uh, pleasure for me. Uh, Actually, I can go right back to my family roots. My father was in physical education. And, of course, I got interested and I played sport. And it went from there. My brother was a physical education teacher. I trained to be a physical education teacher and then gradually morphed into sport and exercise science. And physical activity and health, which is what I do now. So it did start from quite early days through my family, I guess. Would you mind explaining to listeners your academic background with regards to the career journey side of things? Yeah, so I'm uh, in my 60s now. So when you go back to my undergraduate days, really the only subject you could do that you might call sport was actually physical education teacher training. You had to become a PE teacher. Sports science degrees didn't exist. They just came in after I graduated. So I trained in physical education. I actually went to the United States to do a master's degree in sport and exercise psychology. And when I came back to the UK and did some teaching in what was then a polytechnic, I did a PhD in psychology, in uh, what you might call general psychology or social psychology uh, applied to sport so that was my academic background that sounds really interesting just looking back from your career what have you learned the most from that journey so far yeah it's an interesting question because it's quite a difficult one to answer of course I've changed tack slightly I'm not a physical education teacher Uh, I haven't been a physical education teacher of any Uh, length of time to be honest but that's how I started out and I'm proud of that Um, in terms of 
what I've kind of learned is that you can develop, you can learn more things, you can uh, take a slightly different path if that's what takes you there. And I've done that. So I didn't start in physical education and finish in physical education. I started in PE and moved not a million miles away, but I kept moving and uh, following my interests and passion. And I think that's what I'd probably recommend to uh, younger folks starting out now. You, you, you don't start in the same place that you finish. And in fact, many people in their careers will, will probably back that up. In your opinion, then, what core skills do you need to be a sports academic? Well, I think the general skills that any academic requires would be things like, um, you know, a questioning attitude, but be modest and have some humility about what you know and what you don't know. And at the same time, obviously, have a lot of enthusiasm for wanting to learn more. Um, arrogance, to me, has no place in academia. Uh, so those core skills could apply to any any subject. And, of course, then you've got the more day-to-day uh, -day, uh, academic skills of whether it's numeracy, whether it's writing skills, whether it's presentation skills, um, and and the actual subject knowledge of sport and exercise science that you have to get your head down and learn. Um, so, so you could probably say there are these core skills that that run across lots of different subjects, and then there's the subject matter that you that you have to learn. Uh, I suppose that's my my summary comment. Just relating from a research perspective now, how have you seen research make a difference in the sports industry? Actually, if I can just preface that by saying when I was first starting in my career, there was a lot of scepticism about research. Actually, there wasn't a lot of research going on except in the United States, and that's changed a lot over the years. There was some scepticism, particularly in my area around psychology. Uh, you had people who were portraying themselves as psychologists and sports psychologists, but really hadn't got much of a background. That's not to say they couldn't have anything useful to say, but they hadn't got, if you like, an official background in, in psychology. So there was some scepticism early on, and, and that changed a little over the years and slowly. And then I think in the last 10 to 15 years, the we've become a more evidence-based well, society in one sense, notwithstanding current uh, political um, <laughs> controversies uh, and, you know, medical research and, and engineering research and all of this has to be evidence based. And I think in sport, we, we're trying to do the same thing. Absolutely. I, that's one thing I'm realising through this podcast journey, and especially in psychology. It's all about having the evidence and research backing up. Just relating now to today's main topic how can psychology have a positive impact on physical activity? Yes. So when I first started, it was really about sport in the competitive sense, maybe a bit about physical education and children and getting them more active and learning a bit about psychology, such as how they learn skills and so on and so forth. But the psychology of what you might call exercise or physical activity for health, which is what I specialize in, was a bit of a poor relation. And in fact, if you go back to some of the research journals in the 1960s, 70s and early 80s, they didn't have the word exercise in the title. They were sports psychology. And most of the articles were on competitive sport. 
Now that's changed. Um, we've put exercise in the titles and we, we have a lot of research now on physical activity psychology. So what 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 have we we put into that field then to, to, to make it more prominent? Well, first of all, we're trying to understand how people's psychology influences their involvement in physical activity. So, you know, basic things like motivation, their attitudes, their beliefs about exercise and physical activity. Uh, we, we, of course, believe that, that that has an influence on whether they take it up or not. So one area then would be the psychology of uh, the influences that affect our participation. Then the other end of that is to say, well, if they're physically active, are there any mental health benefits? That's actually quite a, an old topic. You can go back many, many years looking at that. And that's become very, very popular and mainstream, if you like. And then in between those two is, well, what's, what can psychology offer behavior change? What can it do to help us understand how to change people's behavior? So those are the main kind of influences. And, and some of, a lot of those are my interests in psychology of physical activity. Would you mind just sharing the listeners in a bit more detail with those specialised topics within physical activity you, you research? Okay, so over the years, I, in psychology terms, I've tended to do more around mot what you might call motivational issues. So I was interested in particular motivational approaches, like uh, people's motivation uh, for um, in terms of attitudes or in terms of ability versus effort, uh, the way they went about certain uh, tasks and, and what their sort of motivational style was, if you like. And an intrinsic and extrinsic motivation, I always found that very, very interesting. So they kind of underpin uh, some of my interests around behavior change. Now, there's a lot going on in that field right now, and it's not just about psychology and it's not just about motivation. We don't just grab somebody and say, right, I'm now going to motivate you to be physically active. It's not as not as easy as that, but it's part of the bigger picture or the jigsaw. And if I could say in terms of my own interest then, so I, I've been interested in those psychological issues, but at the same time trying to understand the wider issues of let's say your environment influencing whether you're physically active or your social surroundings like your parents or your work colleagues or your your children whatever it is so this goes beyond just individual motivation and psychology and trying to look at the bigger jigsaw the bigger picture just from a research perspective then relating to what you've specialized in What's the next stage after that with regards to the application process? So one issue that I've pushed more and more in the last uh, well, relatively recent time is uh, there's a spectrum of physical activity. There's a continuum of movement or physical activity. And it starts, well, it starts with sleep, really, where you're, you're pretty passive. But I'll put that to one side because that's a specialist area in itself. But the least amount of movement that we do is sitting down. And I've done quite a lot of studies around sitting, too much sitting, this so-called sedentary behavior area. And that's become quite popular with standing desks and, and all the rest of it. Now, if you think of sitting then as the first part of a continuum, 
And then if you decide not to sit, well, you're going to stand up and you might do a little bit of movement, but it's not really exercise. And then you might do a bit of exercise, which is more moderate to vigorous physical activity. And you might do something very vigorous. So you've got this continuum of movement. And when you do one, you're not doing the other. And when you decide to do the other, you're not doing something else. So there's a substitution effect between these behaviors. And, and I'm quite interested in how we can get people to shift from one to the other. Um, I haven't got any, um, you know, <laughs> magic wands at the moment, but um, I'm trying to understand that a bit better, particularly around less sitting and then transferring that into a bit more movement, which might be more palatable for the majority of the population. That sounds really interesting because uh, this year, I think in the UK, there was some news with regards to schools implying that students should stand up during a class. Can I just hear your involvement? Are you involved in that sort of topic, for example? Uh, yes and no. I'm not actually running any studies on schools, um, but I, I have a former colleague from Loughborough University when I was in the UK. They're, they're doing some very nice work on that. Uh, there are others in Australia here where I am now. And uh, that's a very good application of um, less sitting, more moving. That happens to be in a school and it kind of apes the workplace interventions that, that have gone on where you put in standing desks in the workplace. Um, and then, of course, it, it's also not too dissimilar to trying to change your home environment where you watch maybe a bit less TV and you're not such a couch potato. And I'm, I'm doing this interview standing up at my standing desk in my house. So, you know, you can modify your environment uh, to make a small difference to your uh, activity. It's not really exercise, but it's certainly better than sitting. Let's put it that way. Just now relating back to your career, what have you been up to recently? So I moved to Melbourne in Australia a couple of years ago, two and a half years ago. And uh, we've, we've been uh, setting up a research group here, what we've called active living and public health. Uh, I think active living actually is quite a nice term because it's not just structured exercise. It involves this sedentary behavior and getting people to stand more and move more. And we've been looking around a number of topics uh, such as, uh, well, you know, too much sitting and does it make a difference if you sit too much? We've done a couple of uh, papers around that and, and some health outcomes of too much sitting are fairly clear to see. Others are a little bit more difficult. Um, we've been working around some behavior change issues uh, you mentioned earlier about habits, and I think habits an interesting one. How can we break habits like sitting too much? Um, but also there's a topic uh, that a colleague of mine has pushed particularly, which is uh, certainly one I'm interested in, which is around muscle strengthening exercise, whereby we want more people to do muscle strengthening, not just walking and aerobic type exercise, which is hugely important, of course, but maybe just focusing on muscle strengthening as well, because we think that's going to be particularly crucial for health and particularly for older adults. So those are just a couple of examples. Absolutely. Just on a personal note now, Stuart, what do you enjoy the most from the work you've done over your career looking back? It's been a great uh, time for me because I, I really love my job, which is so important, I think. And why do I enjoy it? I, I think one of the reasons is it's quite varied. I've always said there are really no two days that are the same. I mean, I'm primarily in a research role right now, but when I was back at Loughborough, 
I was doing teaching and research in a more traditional academic role. And, you know, I loved my teaching. I loved my research. I had some leadership roles, which I enjoyed. And yes, sure, it can be hard work at times, but the the variety means that you go into work usually with a pretty good uh, spring in your step because uh, it's always a little bit different. And I think that's uh, that always uh, comes home to me. I don't think I would like a nine to five job where every day is the same. I think it would drive me a little crazy. I think you've highlighted a really key point that you've got to really enjoy the role on the work you're doing. And I feel like we're at a great stage of the interview where I'd like to finish with an inspirational question. What advice would you give to university sports students who want to pursue a career as a sports academic? Well, firstly, I might be a bit greedy here and give a couple of comments. Uh, Firstly, I think that we shouldn't allow ourselves to be considered second class citizens. So if you go back many years, physical education was seen as a bit of a second rate subject in schools and sports science was seen as a bit of a soft option in universities. We should not allow that to happen when I've worked with some fantastic students over the years through sports science and sport and exercise science who've gone on to do fantastic things. Uh, Actually, some of those outside of sport been highly successful in their own careers. So we shouldn't let ourselves be seen as second class. We are applying good academic skills and academic knowledge to a particular field, and that should be uh, respected. I think perhaps more to the to the point about advice for um, current or, or, or prospective students is be open to new ideas and be open to questions and to question what is going on. That doesn't mean constantly be a skeptic about everything. There's a phrase that goes round, you know, question everything. Well, sometimes that could come over a bit too negative. But I think we should question rather than just accept, uh, you know, whatever the point is that's being made and then come to a decision and accept things if or accept that you will change yourself. Uh, and that's that's a good sign, I think. So question things, read around things, find out from good reputable sources. And I'll leave you then with the idea that for for younger students or potential students, uh, knowledge is not just yesterday's tweet. (laughs) It goes back a lot further than that. And uh, I would I would suggest some students need to sometimes go back a little further and to see how some of these ideas started. So that those are just a few thoughts I've got in my head. Stuart, that's great. Even what you've just mentioned about questioning, it's something I'm applying in my day-to-day work with regards to this podcast journey. How can people interact with you? Well, I, I am on LinkedIn. I'm on Twitter. Um, I'm actually about to be changing jobs, so my email address will change. But I'm sure if people uh, search for me on online, uh, they'll find me at one of my uh, universities that I'm either just finishing up at or going to. And I've always I always pride myself on responding. So if somebody's got a question and they'd like to interact with me, uh, I'd welcome that. That is great to all the listeners listening in. All of Stuart's contact details will be on my website relating to this blog post. Stuart, it's been great chatting with you today. Thank you very much. You're very welcome, Ed. Thanks for inviting me. What a really interesting interview by Stuart. And I really do hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. For me, it was really refreshing to have an interview with somebody who specialises in sport with regards to physical activity, especially with psychology, which I find fascinating, as you probably guess on the podcast show. 
But with regards to that academic field, we always associate psychology with the elite side and elite athletes with regards to their mental preparation, for example. But really, that is so important to our lives and our routine with regards to staying physically active. That doesn't mean going for a run every day, but it does mean acknowledging your body daily so it gets regular movement. So to all those sports science students who are specialising in this area with regards to their essays, I really do hope you took some inspiration from it, which you can apply. But most of all, I enjoyed how Stuart explained that a sports science degree does have a purpose and place within our society with regards to a career perspective. For example, Stuart taught... Keith Power, where in episode 27, Keith and I discuss how he uses sport policy as a platform to create change for Malaysia to be more successful in the Olympics with regards to performance. Also in episode 31, Stuart also taught Dr. Dave Oldred, where Dave and I discussed how he supports elite athletes with regards to how they cope under pressure during performance. I just wanted to highlight this to you that there are people out there who are applying their degrees or sports science degrees into the industry but most of all I just hope it gives you inspiration that there are really exciting opportunities where you can apply your sports science degree by making a difference to the sports industry going forward. Now, as always, at the end of each interview, I like to finish with an inspirational quote from my guest speaker. Stuart said, Be open to new ideas by asking questions. In life, people always fear to ask those key, but most of all interesting questions. But it's only when we question things, we realise there are new opportunities. And by finding those new opportunities, it creates new ideas with regards to our career future.